the path of the witch is so the, the gift of witchcraft. I was able to see, hear, and communicate with spirits. It's a very personal relationship between a person and spirit. Eternal lust and some things like that. Working with different energies and spirits and communicating. Creating magic. Powerful yeah. ritual and powerful spells. The role of the witch is to make change. Let's be, y'all. Let's be. People ask me, like, okay, I'm a witch, and I don't know what to do. to That Witch Life podcast. I'm Courtney. I'm hosting today, and I am joined by Hillary. Hello. And Kanani. Hello. And this is one of our standard episodes, although we are still in deep social distance and recording from our respective homes instead of Hillary's basement. So let's quickly check in. How are you two doing considering the state of the world. <laughs> I mean, that's, that about sums it up. No. Uh, <laughs> I think it sums it up for a lot of us. The screaming yeah. goat came into our lives at the right time. Yeah, right. You know, getting by, like, everyone trying to... It's that balance. I think it's that balance of, like, finding enough stuff to keep yourself occupied without putting the pressure on yourself to find a bunch of stuff to keep yourself occupied. Does that make sense? Um, right. So yeah, just been like working on some house projects and I'm working from home still. So, um, during the week it's, you know, kind of nine to five, um, scenario. What house projects are you working on? Potted flowers. And I'm starting some, uh, seed starts to get that I'm hoping will sprout. Uh, so I can transfer to a um, receptacle outside. What else? These magical or magical or just regular stuff? Both. Mm-hmm. Both. Some magical, some edible. I mean, all edible, but some some magical um, and some that are just for you know food for cooking. Um, although some a lot of times those are the same things. <laughs> those are uh, yeah. so. And then I redid my uh, kind of work from home. Uh, rehearse from home, teach from home space. Yeah. Can you share with us what magical stuff you're planting? So uh, I have some lemon balm that's going into a pot. Um, obviously mm. not planting that in the main yard. Um, I have, have invasive, invasive plant alert lemon balm. Invasive. Yeah, it's great. It works really well if you pot it. Um, uh, and then I have some rosemary that's going in. Um Sorry if you guys hear puppy crying in the background. <laughs> oh, no. Well, it sounds like the, between the lemon balm and the rosemary, you're set to do some really good cleansing work. Absolutely. Which all, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Which we're all going to yeah. need when we're on the other side of this this yeah. craziness. Yes. Yeah, Kanani, what are you up to? I am saving the world by eating candy and shopping. Oh, because that means that you're not going to go out there and... and murder us all or start telling us what to do. It just keeps you nice and sedated. So that's that, how you say the does world. Help. Yes, that actually okay. is one way I do that. But no, actually, mm-hmm. um, had a friend on Facebook talking about how she wanted to make masks and she's uh, great at sewing and she's retired. She's got lots of free time, but she doesn't have a whole lot of fabric. 
And so I, I messaged her and I said, well, I don't know how to sew and I don't have free time, but I know how to shop for fabric. And so I actually got her uh, about 17 yards of really cute, fun, different patterns of fabric. And so she's going to use them to make masks for people. So that's so awesome. And I delivered them to a front porch while eating a Cadbury cream egg. So, Oh my God, that's, I had my Cadbury cream egg of Easter season earlier this week. I decided I earned it. I don't know what, I don't remember what I did that I think that I earned it, but I, I, it must've been big. Um, I think I was just really patient with people on the phone all day. And so I got a Cadbury cream egg out of that. I mean, that's worthy of it, right? I don't, they're like Prozac to me. I just, I just pop them like Pez. So they're so good. They're so bad, but they're so good. It's like you eat it. You just know that this is the worst thing you could be putting in your body besides like, you know, street drugs. And it's so good. They're amazing. They're really good. My mom has potentially charged me with making masks for the whole family. And because I'm the one who has possession of the one sewing machine that's in our family. It's this monster thing from the late 1970s. And I had to find a YouTube video to show me how to use it because when my mom gave it to me and she gave me all the parts, it was long before this. My plan was just to use it to make my niece and nephew's Halloween costumes once a year and maybe curtains. And she showed me all the pieces and looked at me with her motherly wisdom and said, never underestimate the value of the glue gun. And that was it. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so, but I, so now I need to figure out how to use the sewing machine and potentially make masks for my family. But remember how I recovered the chair in my bathroom with that awesome mermaid fabric? You know, I'm going to make some really badass mermaid face masks. And yes, I will make them for the two of you Yay. once I figure out how to use the sewing machine. Yes. Absolutely. Sorry, listeners. I can't make them for everybody because sewing is not my bag, but. I will give them to these two to keep them in my graces since I have to continue to work with them. I have also been tiara shopping. So that's been fun. (laughs) Where are you tiara shopping? What are you talking about? (laughs) I found a website and I think I I may have bought a few. (laughs) Are they on your Instagram? We need to see them like immediately. Oh, well, when they get delivered, I I will show them for sure. You're going to model them. Oh, I'll probably do that too. Okay. Yeah. I'll probably just wear them all the time. I'll be like, this is my new, not in quarantine part of my attire. Like this is what I do now. Yeah. So for me, um, well, the walls have been closing in quite a bit this week. Had a lot of 3am crying sessions, like more than the week before. Um, you didn't sleep at all last night. Part of it is the medication I'm coming off of just gives me wicked insomnia And also just, I've read that the state of things is causing a lot of people to lose some sleep. So, um, I've been up since two in the morning, um, which means I will either start rambling or laughing or crying before the end of this episode and probably a combination of all three. So get ready. Um, but, uh, what I've not been doing and I need to do is go to my altar more because I feel the spirits wanting to, be there with me. I'm still tending my magical work. I haven't dropped it, but what I've not been doing is the work on myself. And I feel like that's what is got to be the most important thing in my witchcraft right now, given the circumstances. And I don't know why it's so hard for me just to sit my ass down in front of my altar. Maybe it's because I just cry when I'm there. I just sit there. I totally agree. I've been having the same thing. Like I, all day I was like, you know what? I should like tend to my altar a little more. I need to like do like, 
just sit with myself. And I've found, I've, I've, I have found that I have had a very hard time doing that. Yeah. Well, I mean, we can rely on our listener help. Can you guys just send us messages on Facebook or Instagram? We're also on Twitter and, or even just to our, the contact page on our website and just the message, sit your asses in front of your altar today and we'll do it, but we just need to be reminded and told to do it. We do what we're told most of the yeah. time, at least. Yeah. Kanani will new? Actually- I was like two of us do. <laughs> I was going to say, are you new? Yeah. Well, you sometimes do what I tell you to do when you're, when you're in, in need when it reaches that point where you're actually asking for my help, then yeah, you do listen. So I feel like you, I'm doing this backwards because I feel like I was a dumpster fire shit show when this started. And I feel true. like I've, I feel like I'm like, I've, I've succumbed to this as my life now. And I'm just like, okay. Yeah. All the memes that people are spreading on Facebook right now about the moms who have just given up and basically let their kids run around being feral children, uh, you know, pulling the insulation out of walls and making that their dinner. That's, those are basically written for and about Kanani. Oh, oh, a hundred percent. hundred percent. Well, you had like extra quarantine this week, didn't you? With your son? Yeah. So my son ended up getting sick last week and he hasn't left the house uh, for a couple weeks. So we had no idea, like, is it, was it something he ate? Is it something that he got exposed to that we brought home? Cause we, the only thing we've gone out for is food. Um, and we don't do that very often. So, cause we've got pretty stocked up. So, um, for just to be on the safe side, I quarantined myself with a young child for three days inside of our master bedroom, because we have a bathroom in here. And that was not fun. It was not fun. It was not so bad when he was not feeling well and lethargic and just laid there. But then when he, you could tell he very much was feeling better and he was literally bouncing off the walls and on the bed. It's like, okay, okay. We're going back into the house now. How do you still have two children after that? Oh, but I mean, so we pretty much are meandering throughout the house now, but I, he, he bounced back rather quickly that I'm, we're leaning towards that. It was something that he ate or something that just didn't set well with him um, because he did bounce back within probably 48 hours. But still, I mean, it's absolutely horrifying when, you know, suddenly someone's sick and you know, they haven't been exposed to anything outside the house. And it's like, what the hell? Did you watch anything good while you were stuck in your master bedroom with your son? Oh, no, because I had to watch nothing but children's cartoons. And I am now proficient in Teen Titans Go, which was not something I ever wanted to be. And watch some other cartoons that apparently he watches that I just was like, yeah, now that I know you're not allowed to watch this anymore. So, yeah, it was good times. No, I mean, I, I just, I do, I feel like I'm kind of, calmer through this. I kind of have accepted this as the future fate for the time being. And we've just had so many different things kind of fall to shit in this time period that it's just kind of like everything is now, I'm just immune at this point. Everything is just one more thing, one more crazy thing. And so I think I've just resigned myself to you know, it will be over soon. That's all I keep telling myself. It will be over soon. And this will, that's, that's important to remember. This will be a memory at some point. It's, it feels like forever. Now we will be past this at some point. Exactly. That's really important to remember. I try and remind myself that when I'm starting to go, "Ah," you know, like just like starting to panic about being inside or, or how long this is going to last. I like try and just remind myself that 
this is hard and it's going to be hard, but that it's temporary. Right. But with that, we're going to set aside the coronavirus talk for just a little while and actually talk about some hardcore witchcraft. Um, and we're, we have a wonderful guest coming on today, Carla uh, Gaskins Nathan, who is an aromatherapist and a witch, will be joining us in a little while to talk about her magic and what we can use from the aromatherapy world in our work. Love that. Um, so. Yeah. So welcome to April, everyone. It is time for our card of the month. I am using the Rider-Waite-Smith deck, which is not everybody's favorite. It's pretty ubiquitous. And um, certainly I don't think it is the only deck people should use, but it's the only one available to me right now because in addition to being quarantined, I'm also quarantined in half our house because the other half is under construction, which means a lot of my tarot decks are inaccessible. So I'm using this one. I'm going to shuffle this up. We'll find out what is our card for the month. Okay. So the card we got is the Hierophant. This is a tricky card. Um, it is, it's suggestive of patriarchy in many ways. It tends to evoke things of organized religion, um, things that witches are all, not always fond of. Um, the benefits of this card, though, include order and plan and organization. I often said to people that um, if you start working at a new company, your hierophant is your human resources director because they're the one who tells you how everything operates and the rules of the place. Um, so this is encouraging us to, to try to establish some order and rules within the chaos. This doesn't mean that you suddenly have to go accept the patriarchal end stage capitalism that is killing us all. In fact, we highly recommend that you don't. However, it does mean that you can um, create order and structure in your own life. I feel like that might be a message for us to try to get our asses to our altars once a day. At least that's what I'm taking from it from myself and starting to making sure that I'm in a regular a spiritual practice. So listeners out there, it's something to reflect on. What is the Hierophant trying to um, encourage in order for, for you. We are releasing this on Monday, April 6th. Tuesday, April 7th, we have a full moon in Libra and there is a lot of shit going on. And I'm going to try to say all of this without losing it because, again, like I said, I'm really tired and some of these words are just, you know, beyond me. So um, the first thing to know is that the moon is trining Mars, which is a really good time for spells for harmony. The sign of Libra is not always known as a home-based planet, but if you know any Libras, hashtag Kanani, do not fuck with their homes and their spaces, okay? They've hashtag got true story. <laughs> <laughs> so think, they want you to imagine Kanani and being in Kanani space and understand the order and the don't fuck with my space energies there. This is the time to establish that in your home. Again, the Hierophant, um, it's a really excellent time for restoring relationship with your space, which I think is particularly important given the circumstances. If you're feeling especially emotional, I do recommend the meditation called Calming the Storm by Evo Dominguez Jr., which we will have a link for it on our website. And this will allow you to clear your emotions before setting in to do the work. There are also a lot of energies in this moon that involve getting small projects done, but also they can indicate the struggle to finish things. So 
I wouldn't use this moon to say like cleaning out your closets, but it might be a good time to say getting rid of a pile of mail clutter in your living room. Um, I just did that yesterday. That's really funny. (laughs) Excellent. So in doing this, connect your negative energies to this work and let them know you're releasing the stress and frustration, the sadness. If you have a magic broom, this is a really good time to bust it out. Again, I keep recommending Stephanie Rose birds, stick stones, roots, and bones. There's some really wonderful broom spells in there. So if you can get your hand on a copy of that book, that will help you use this work as well. But even if you don't have a magical broom, pick up your standard broom and ask it essentially to help you do this work and say, hey, normally you are my sweep up the cat litter broom, but today you're going to be my magical broom and I need you to, to, to step in here. So sweep from the back of your house out to the front. And if this is possible in your in your dwelling, open up the front doors and the front windows, um, focusing on the spring air and inviting the newness and renewal to envelop the house. If you live in an apartment where your front door opens into a hall and not outside, perhaps go to the front of your building, open the door briefly. You shouldn't leave the front door of your building open, close it, but then you're bringing in the spirit of that clean energy back into your house and see it like blue energy enveloping each room of the house as you walk through and touch each wall of your dwelling. And it can help if you say something knowing that your home is a living, breathing thing. So as you lay a hand on each wall, say aloud or in your head, if your roommate or your spouse are just not into this and get creeped out and say, may you be happy. May you be at peace. And then make sure you do that same blessing to yourself. May I be happy. May I be at peace. So very simple spell for us to do at home when it's really hard to get outside and get materials. If you've got candles around your house that you want to charge with the same intention and light them, great. But for the foreseeable future, we're going to keep including spell work in here where you really don't need anything except for things that you likely already have in your house, just because we, we should be staying at home. I did think it was funny, Courtney, that you mentioned to me that one of our listeners laughed at the fact that you told me to watch Monty Python and the Holy Grail because the listener was like, I already knew she was going to hate it before she even watched it. (laughs) I did. I had a, I had a Skype session with one of our listeners, which was really fun. And she said, yeah, as soon as you told Kanani to watch that movie, I didn't think that was going to go well. And I was like, damn it. How do people know her better than me? This is really because scary. You want to think the best. You want to think that you, you don't see me for, for reality. Other people are like, oh no, no, she's that That's terrible. That's been my no. curse of my life, just believing in people in general, especially you. Just been exactly. a real, a real so, so what we really need is listeners to tell me what to watch because clearly they know what I'm going to like and what I'm not going to like. So we do need some more suggestions because Kanani might not let us ever pick a show for her again. I and she's going to make us watch The Good Witch over and over. Yes. So if you have suggestions, let us know. And I also have a musical suggestion. Yes. Um, So uh, I have a friend who is a DJ. Um, She goes by Spellbound DJ. She's a witch uh, and an amazing amazing human. Um, She has been doing live dance parties and live playlists. Um, You can find her on Facebook and, and we will uh, link link to her page. 
she has also done um, in those fundraising for sex workers who have no money coming in during this time. Um, and uh, is so it's a good way to give back to people that have had like a sudden loss of income. Um, and yeah, I mean, her music is awesome. It's a really fun dance party. I've, uh, attended to, um, and then, yeah, there's, she even put together a playlist for kids, um, dance party playlist for kids. So anyway, we'll link her. Um, she's a wonderful human. She's helping to raise money for important causes and, and her, her dance parties are super fun. She's always super dressed up and decked out while she's DJing live. So Oh, this is so, these are delicious recommendations. Thank you, Hillary. We've also had more people come in and let us know that their magical gifts are available uh, for purchase online. One of which is Crescent Moon Gifts, who has a limited amount of products available to order online, but they are happy to take calls and be your personal shopper. So someone offering to be a personal witchcraft shopper is so badass. So I would definitely take take our friends up on this. They said they have over 20,000 magical items, including crystals, tarot, books, figurines, jewelry, herbs, essential oils, blends, tea, ritual items, and of course, that witch life spell cards. And they ship daily and worldwide. Um, their link to is crescentmoongifts.com. And they will also be on our website. Speaking of talking to one of our listeners, Carly Ann, a.k.a. the Sassy Astrologer, is doing some very timely music. So she's doing, Hillary, you're going to die. You've got to listen to this. It's called the Black Death Project. So they are recording music from plague era medieval Europe. Oh, my God. And it is beautiful. I know. She told me about it. I said, okay, Hillary needs to stop what she's doing and listening to it. So we've got a link to Carly Ann singing this absolutely beautiful, but really eerie song on our website. So please go and check that out as well. We also had a listener question, which we are going to answer before we bring on our guest. And it goes... I was curious to know if you can expand on an idea you spoke about in the podcast. I was a little lost on the crystal concept. Do you keep the same crystal and charge it at every solstice so you have it throughout the year? Or was it at certain solstices so you can have it throughout the year? I really love the concept if I understood it correctly and would like to translate it to different parts of my witchcrafting. This listener is referring to a practice we suggested at the winter solstice, which was take a crystal and let it be exposed to the first light at dawn. So the first light of the winter solstice and this crystal can be used to shed light on things in your life. It can also be used to bring light into darkness. If you all charged your crystals at solstice, this might be a really good time to be bringing them out, carrying them, meditating on them. So trying to bring in the, the promise of brighter days ahead is what this is saying. And the truth is you can, use this crystal and charge it only at winter solstice. And that is your winter solstice crystal. You can charge it for a while and then use it for something else or give it away and use a new crystal every winter solstice. And that's part of your renewal practice. I personally am going to use my crystal on both the winter and the summer solstice. So I'm going to use it to capture the sunset on the longest day 
when we have our summer solstice here in the Northern Hemisphere in June. So it keeps the continuity of long, bright days and bright light shining on things. That's my choice. And if you have lost the misplaced your crystal and need a new one at with summer solstice. Okay. So be it. That's just the way things go. The crystal may have decided just to bounce and it doesn't want to do the work anymore. Um, or you can keep them separate. It's really your choice, but I do find that capturing light from those two days in a crystal or in different crystals is really, really powerful for your magic throughout the year. So I hope that answered the listener question. Do you two have anything you want to add to that? I would just add that kind of what you said, which is it's, it's, there is no right or wrong. It's just whatever she chooses to do. Um, you could have a different crystal for every single solstice and, and equinox and, you know, however you want to do it, you can have one for all it's, it's whatever you would like. And I think how you, choose to use the crystals. And if you want to, uh, you know, imbue something in one and not another, or like you said, use one that you use specifically for capturing, you know, all kinds of light. Um, it's, yeah, it's totally, it's totally choice. There's not really a hard and fast rule of, of what you have to do. It's, it's what you would like to do and what you think works with your practice. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I have crystals that I use that I have charged on a particular solstice or a particular uh, day. I also have some that I charge just on full moons or cleanse on full moons. Um, so yeah, I think it really is. I don't think there's a right or a wrong way. Although I do love the concept of utilizing that crystal from the winter solstice. So the bringing back the coming back of light during this time, I think is a great idea. Um, especially since we feel <laughs> we're in the darkness in this, uh, even though, even though there's some, some daylight happening. Right. There's the, there is a power in repetition and magic. This is a reason why we chant. Yep. And the reason why it's, it is good to reuse magical tools for the same task because it increases their power. And sometimes that's not always feasible. Right. And so, the point is just do the magic. It's better to do the magic than wor- than not do the magic out of concern that you're not doing it correctly. So tr- try around, try the repetition, try it differently and see what, see what you get a stronger result. Cause each witch is its own individual being just as different foods react with us differently. Different magical practices are going to do that as well. Well, I am delighted to welcome our special guest today, Carla Gaskins Nathan, who is the founder and CEO of Zila LLC and Rooted Bodywork, her private massage practice. Carla works as an individual and organizational wellness consultant, educator, and practitioner of healing arts. As a solo practitioner, Carla is working on remembering and reclaiming the practices of her ancestors, going where spirit takes them and embracing community where love is found. They believe that through caring for ourselves, we are able to fully engage with our life, work, and communities. Carla focuses her work on LGBTQ communities of color, yet opens her practice to all that see the importance of holistic wellness. Carla is a lecturer and writer and has been featured in various podcasts, conferences, and magazine articles. Welcome to That Witch Life Podcast, Carla. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So... Listeners and you two may remember 
my stories about Carla from earlier in our season in which Carla was the one who went with me to the magical Walmart up in the Bronx. And we spent all of our money because they had all of that juju going to basically suck it out of our wallets. So we left with a bunch of all great stuff and absolutely no cash. We were both looking at each other like, what the fuck just happened? So <laughs> yeah, she's also one of my, my closest and dearest friends. And she's a lot nicer to me than either one of you are. So I should... I am Boy, very glad that the bar for that's not super high though. Speak <laughs> for yourself. <laughs> that's right. Hillary's way nicer than I am. That's true. That's true. Wow. All right. Well, anyway, she's much nicer than Kanani, but you're also right. It doesn't take much. <laughs> My garbage can's nicer to me than Kanani most days. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. So Carla is in Harlem in New York City, and although we have specifically said we're not spending this entire episode talking about the coronavirus, I think it would be an unreasonable not to even mention it or talk hear about what Carla's experience has been like recently, given that you are in the, the current global epicenter of, of the outbreak, is from what I understand. How is it going, and how are you faring with all of this? Yeah, I'll be honest. Um, it's a bit surreal. So there's this piece of, you know, you look out the window or I have a dog, my wife and I have a dog. So walking the dog, um, it feels on sometimes like, oh, this is a X, X, Y, Z kind of regular ish day. You know, folks, the nor- you know, the normal folks are out. We're walking. People are on the street still quite a bit. Um, it's not quite as congested as it usually is. But then, you know, three quarters of my neighbors are wearing face masks. And I'm like, well, that's different. Um the last two weeks, I will say in particular, have you we've have felt harder. Um, there are constantly, and we it, my mic may or may not pick it up. I tried to close all the windows. Um, the ambulance sirens. There's there's actually one in the background right now, as I just said it. Um, are constant. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I was walking my dog just the other day, and I was on the phone for maybe twenty minutes with a friend in four different ambulances passed us and ones that are for hospitals nowhere near, you know, where we live. And so it's definitely, um, feeling a bit more surrounding. Um, and then just things that are weird. Like I'm used to people being around in my neighborhood. And if you're not paying enough attention, you're like, Oh, people are still out and people are still moving. But, um, it's Harlem. There's a lot of like older black women and older folks that are just normally out and about and go shopping and doing those things. Um, you can go outside and see people, but what you'll notice is you're seeing adults. Um, I don't see kids and there's tons of kids in our neighborhood and even in my building. So sometimes I will not see a child for literally days, um, maybe wow. twice a week now. Um, same thing. A lot of the older you know, folks that I just kind of know from around the neighborhood have been living. Um, I'm from Brooklyn um, and been and moved back to New York about 10 years ago and live in Harlem. And you know, there's just folks you get to know that you just know from around. And, you know, I just, I don't see them anymore. And I'm hoping that they're well. And every time, you know, you do hear an ambulance, you're like, I hope that isn't Mrs. So-and-so or, you know, this person or that person. Um, 
So that piece is is harder. And then I think this surrealness of you're watching the national news and now your local news is national news. Um, yeah. I mean, New York, we're kind of self-centered sometimes. but So our news is often makes national news, but for so much of what's happening here to be then reflected. So just a hard piece of balancing news where for us, our local news and national news is reflecting what it is like to be the epicenter of the epicenter and and what that feels like. And then um, I guess the last piece too, is just that it's getting closer to home, you know, logging on the social media um, more and more people we know directly um, are, ha- are having it and dealing with it. Um, you said, I teach, I've had students who have had it and are um, thank goodness recovering um, from it. So that's been hard. Mm-hmm. Are you able to take care of yourself, uh, you know, spiritually and emotionally right now? Yeah, I think to um, the best of one's ability, I just was messaging with some of my colleagues and, you know, sometimes we get so caught up in my world is like the should of, you know, doing um, wellness work. I'm a licensed massage therapist, um, doing self-care, you know, consulting, you know, we work in a world where we're always like, how can we be of service to others in our community and, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to check in with other people who identify as healers um, and, I can get on a whole soapbox about that, but for healers, um, definitely talk about it in a context, especially with people of color that do wellness work um, and not coming from a pedestal uh, guru type person when I say that. So I'll leave that that soapbox alone, but I'll put that out there. But for those of us that Delphi is doing, you know, healing arts work as healers and folks that are licensed practitioners, all trying to figure out the balance of how do we put stuff out there to offer to others, but then also how do we make sure that we're nourishing and caring for ourselves? And also for me, I had to give myself permission to be like, I'm not in the space to like make videos. Like some of my colleagues are like, they're making new, they're making videos, posting stuff on YouTube and the gram and this, that, and the third. And I'm just like, I'm sad and I'm emotionally exhausted and it's okay. Like, it's okay that I'm not uh, doing Facebook live every, you know, afternoon and being like, here's these tips. Um, you know, someone talked about um, in a group that I'm in about, you know, toxic positivity and us being aware about that. Um, this whole piece too around the capitalism of being overly productive, of folks feeling like I need to be able to do X, Y, and Z and offer all these things during this time. And it's like, yo, son, if you decided to switch from the gray sweatpants to the black sweatpants and put on some ankle socks and flip-flops, great, right? So just trying to figure out, you know, what does it look like and mean for your day? So for me, it's meant spending time at my personal altar, Um, I maintain an ancestor altar, refreshing that. Um, One thing that I did for my self-care and a friend of mine that's a friend and spiritual mentor, both um, mine and Courtney's, um, our friend Renee. Yes, love Renee. uh, Renee. And, you know, a couple months back, she was at my house and I would periodically buy my ancestors flowers. But I won't say at that point, I wasn't like every week making sure there's fresh flowers. She was at my house and she was like, you're Egoon, they want fresh flowers. And I'm like, okay, cool. And so then from there on, probably two, three months ago, I made sure every week and I just kind of made it a routine. Like the dog and I would walk and we'd go past the grocery store. We're outside of it in New York. Often grocery stores will have people who sell flowers either outside of grocery stores or bodegas. Yes. But now with everything going on, you know, they're not out. And I'm also trying to limit my interactions with people. So, um, I decided for my self-care because I was just sad not having those flowers. I was like, well, I have paper and I got like markers and all kinds of art supplies. I colored and drew flowers and then I cut oh. them out 
and I put them in a mason jar, which is what I normally use on my ancestor altar. And I cannot tell you how happy it makes my spirit to see those. And then when I told Renee and she was like, send me a picture. And so I sent her a picture. Um, and it just, she was like, that's so beautiful. And she was like, it probably is even more meaningful for them because yes. I actually like made it with my hands and just the flowers that have been seeing in my neighborhood that are blooming. So like daffodils and tulips are starting to bloom. Um, and it just felt so cathartic to just make into color. Um, and then also what we're going to talk about today is just that use of sense um, mm-hmm. and just using these various things to really just ground um, myself uh, in this time right now has been extremely important. I am so in love with the idea of drawing and coloring flowers for your ancestor altar. What a fabulous suggestion when you can't get out or you don't have the money or you're trying to keep your kids busy. Yeah, right? no, time of adaptation if anything right it's like how are we adaptable how do we you know how do we switch stuff up right now um and if there ever was a time right and so that's where we are so this brings us into our um, the meat of our discussion and we're starting with the first question that we typically ask our guests and how did you know you were a witch Oh, wow. So that is an interesting question. You know, if I actually sit down and think about it, I would say it goes back to childhood. Um, It is something that um, I always was intuitive, not I don't identify as a psychic, but definitely as a child would just know things that in theory I wasn't supposed to know. So like one of my first earliest memories of like, oh, I wasn't supposed to say that out loud um, is I was playing in my friend's backyard. And, you know, kids running in and out of the house. I was running back into their house for something. And I passed their aunt on the way. She was coming, I think, out of the house as I was running into the, you know, up the back steps into the kitchen to, like, grab some juice or something. And I just looked at her and I was like, congratulations. And then, like, went about my business. And she had this look of shock on her face. And she then stopped me. And she was like, how did you know? And she's like, we haven't really told anybody And I think I was maybe 10, if that. Um, And I was like, oh, I just knew. So congrats. And she was like, okay. And she just kind of went about our business. We never talked about it again. You know, and I was just like, do, do, do. And just different times in my life um, throughout childhood. Um, And then from an early age, just having a connection or wanting and knowing a craving about ancestors who had passed. Um, so my grandfather, my maternal grandfather passed before I was born. And I just remember like constantly wanting to ask my grandmother questions about him. You know, who's that in this photo? What were they like? Mm. Things like that um, was something that was strong. Um, and then just kind of what we talk about, like that gut feeling or that gut sense um, in my life as a kid uh, growing up in New York. And then I moved to the Midwest um, in the adolescence, just dealing with, uh, you know, from a safety perspective and from a just like feeling like there's just these tells of like, Hey, you shouldn't walk down this block. You should cross the street. You should do this. And just listening, um, and understanding the importance of that listening. And my grandmother never talked about magic directly, but she did talk to me a lot about gut intuition, um, and kind of following what your, you know, what your spirit says. And so that's something that really stuck with me. Um, and then just has continued, 
uh, on. And then I think really probably wasn't until like my 20s that I really started to identify with the term. Um, And a lot of it, I'll be honest, was a lot of cultural stuff. Um, Growing up Mm -hmm. in a religious household where that wasn't an okay word or term to use. And so that really was a big piece. Um, But the big piece um, for me has really been about like looking at the work that I do now and like, what does it mean? So it's like, what do I do? I hold space as a facilitator. I listen to people. I offer tools. I offer resources. And like all of us say, like it was re-listening to your first episode. It's like most folks always have that kind of coming out story or or moment of like that connection with nature, whatever form or way it needs to be based on your location um, and wanting to have that connection. Yeah. And you're relatively new out of the quote unquote broom closet. So what prompted you to come out as a witch and what has this process been like for you? Oh my goodness. It's been a really amazing process. Um, the more I think about it, um, there was definitely some nervousness. Um, the big thing for me that I realized is like I'm out as queer and being gender queer. So I just figured out like why not be out about this? Um, for me, I identify more as a solo practitioner, but definitely have different folks that I connect with and mentors and, and guides. But I realized that, you know, being out about this really is about thriving for myself and for my people. Um, and what I like to refer to as being Afro present. So, um, I don't go as deep into the Afrofuturism as my wife does. She is well more read and versed in that area, but I really like to think of an Afro present. What does it mean? Um, in the current time and context to really love blackness. Um, Mm -hmm. What does it also mean for me to love queerness? So to me, I look at being out, as you say, of the broom closet is part of embracing um, my ancestral spiritual and healing practices. And to me, that means a path to home, to wellness and to liberation. It's also about remembering who I am um, who we are as a collective, and then basically that it breathes magic into us, into all that we do. And really the work of late that I've been doing that's multi-faith is also, it's part of our divinity. Um, and it's our birthright as a person of color. I very much believe that. Um, and then I think the last piece of that that I feel like I wouldn't do justice in answering that is it also too, I have to talk about the history of colonization of um, so many black, black and Brown people. And that a big piece of this to me is a coming out, but it's more of a remembering and a reclaiming, right? Mm. It's more about recognizing that my people were separated from our land. We were separated from each other. We were separated from language, history, and culture, which is everything from the music to the spirituality, to healing And for us, we have all these like broad associations with for as black folks with the continent. Right. Um, But now we you know, our people were able to hide bits and pieces. So a lot of us are reclaiming, remembering this isn't new. We're just like, how do I weave this into the current fabric that I need now to give my soul and my spirit warmth? What does that look Mm -hmm. like? What does that feel like? So how do we stitch that back together and put it in a contemporary experience? And basically we're filling in those holes and those gaps. I want to be warm. I want to be warm with that love, with that knowledge and with that connection to my people. Mm. Oh man. Every time I think I couldn't love you more then you just go off <laughs> and start saying beautiful, important things. And then I just start crying. A lot of your work, as you talked about is aromatherapy. And so yeah. for 
And I realized, actually, I don't know a lot about aromatherapy. I know that there were tons of books in Kanani's bedroom in her first apartment that were all about aromatherapy. And I realized that's the limit of my knowledge is reading those titles from the stack of books by her old futon. So Carla, why don't you enlighten us? What exactly is aromatherapy? Cool. So, you know, I should say that, uh, you know, nerd alert. Um, So I really am just going to go straight up with there's the National Association for Holistic Aromatherapy. So their, you know, definition of aromatherapy is that it's the practice uh, that aromatherapy uses natural plant extracts such as essential oils, hydrosols, carrier oils in a variety of ways to heal the body, mind and spirit. It is the promotion and harmonization of emotional, physical, and spiritual health through the application of these extracts. So that's one of the resources I would say is the National Association for Holistic Aromatherapy. I know we'll get into that a bit later. Um, Then for just like Carla keeping it real, two cents, is aromatherapy to me is about using um, scents, be it from essential oils, be it from plants, um, you know, be it from things that you already have, um, you know, with you at your home, um, in a way that helps ground you, helps pivot and helps, uh, create a a conduit for health healing and, you know, transitioning into other things. So that's the big piece, uh, for me. And so what are some of the ways that a witch can use aromatherapy in magic? Cool. I'm going to go on uh, a little tangent for a second and then we'll bring it back. So I think the <laughs> big thing, yeah, I'm, I'm bossy. So, right. So my thing that's most important before we even talk about how we use it in magic is like, why would we do it in the first place? So the first thing is we have to acknowledge the power of scent memories, right? So mm. just taking a second as you all sit where you are, um, and think about just like, how is it when you take a whiff of a familiar scent and how it can instantly take us to a different time and place? Now, often we're hoping for these scent memories to be welcomed, right? They're things that we remember. It's our grandmother's cooking. Um, for yes. some of us, meat, it might be that sweet smell of bacon. It might be lilacs in the springtime. It may be fresh cut grass, but we all have these different things. There also sometimes are set memories that are unpleasant that we associate with people or places and things that were traumatic as well. So we have to also acknowledge that. Now, again, a nerd alert is just like, you know, Scientists look at that there's actual chemical information that gets translated into electrical signals that travel to the brain, and it actually affects our behaviors and choices as well as our mood. A lot of times this is done without us any without us even paying attention. So this is like a paraphrasing of Paolo um, Palazzo, which is a scientist. But scent matters, right? Scent matters literally to our lives. And people, I think, take scent for granted. One of the unfortunate things with this pandemic is that one of the symptoms that's newer is that some people are actually losing the scent, their sense of smell and taste. Oh. Yeah, that's, that is a thing. Um, and I actually have had some friends directly that that happened to. Um, it does come back, but it is one of the signs, um, one of the symptoms. 
So the first thing is like scents matter. Scents protect us. It literally protects us, our life, right? Scent let us know if there's a fire. Scent protects us from eating spoiled food. You're like, yo, how long yes. ago was that ramen in there? And then you open it and you're like, yeah, that's not good anymore, right? So it literally helps us for self-preservation, right? right. Um, it also guides us. It guides us to our favorite coffee shops, our ba- favorite bakeries or restaurants, mm. or when you're sleeping, somebody in your house is brewing coffee, you're cooking something, it's your favorite. It may even wake you up. Um, yes, so first, as, as we think about it in terms of magic, we have to think about the places it takes us and where we want it to take us. So I like to think of scent as a facilitator. Um, and even for me and my healing work, right? I don't think of myself as a healer as I'm not coming in and healing somebody. I'm helping facilitate it. Often the body knows what it needs. Sometimes it just needs a translator or someone to help the conversation along. So even in the body work that I do or energy work that I do, that's the role. Right. So sense just another facilitator for us, for our wellness. And when I think about magic and think about, you know, that witch life. Right. I think about it's healing. It's about nourishment. So we want to look at what is it that we want it to facilitate? So if you're using it for a spell, for example, then what is the purpose of that spell that you're doing? Right. Is it about empowerment? Is it about banishing? You know, what is that piece? And then what are the scents that you think would go with that? So with aromatherapy, there's tons of books and websites, and we'll talk a little bit about those later, but we also just have our innate sense of sense of smells that we like or don't like. So for example, if you're trying to banish a person that you don't like, and there's a scent you know they don't like, then guess what? You might use that scent, right? If yes. there's something you're trying to attract and you think of as riches, um, abundance, then what might that smell like? May that be... If you think of gold, is that something yellow? Is that honey? Is that marigold? Is that, you know, things that have that smell? Is it lemon? What is that? Mm-hmm. So that's the, so that's the piece. So then we want to think of how we want that scent to anchor us, right? If we're using it in a spell or in a situation and we're looking at changing, then how do we use scent as a pivot? So for me, I often also talk to people and clients about using it as a pivot because a pivot is something that we want to change out of. So I hate sometimes when people are like, oh, we want to do a 180, we want to do a 360. Sometimes we just want to do a little bit of a directional turn. It doesn't need to be that full range. We want to do a 12. We want to do a 15. (laughs) To a 15, right? You're just like, I need a 15, right? And then also too, like, you know, I'm in Harlem, I'm sassy, right? Like part of the, you know, embracing that witchness in me is that it's like, uh, what pair of Nikes go with this broomstick, right? So you also got to recognize what works for yourself and who are you in your practice, right? So that's, you know, for me, I'm like joking with Courtney where I'm like, okay, me being a rich, what does this mean? What does it look like for me? Right? Um, so the anchor and that pivot. So if the pivot is, hey, I feel like I'm on this path for doing what I need to do. But with everything going on, you know, I'm at home. I'm having to work, take care of my kids, support a sick family member all at the same time. There's not enough hours in the day. I just need a pivot. I need something that's going to take me either a little bit out of my current context or embrace me where I'm at in it. But pivot my mood, pivot that energy right? It's not going to say it's going to take me completely out of where I am, but what is it? So some of it is thinking of natural scents and flavors that already exist. And while we can talk about essential oils, let's be honest, we're in the middle of a pandemic. It's hard to get things right now. Um, So often even thinking about things you already have in your home. If you're a baker, do you have different extracts in your home? 
Do Do you have fresh herbs in your house? Do you have lemons or limes? So can you grate, can you grate the peel? Can you squeeze some of that juice? You know, if you have, if you're a drinker, even if you're not, but you have alcohol in your house, vodka, or even rubbing alcohol, you could add some of that either extract, herb, uh, you know, squeeze a fresh juice, lemon juice, citrus is really helpful. It's very brightening and it, it brings up and elevates folks, right? There's all these things we can use that we already have. Then depending on how deep you're into that magic life and you already have certain supplies on hand, then by all means, you can use things that are specifically for aromatherapy. But please don't listen to this and be like, oh my goodness, I wish this was the time I could just go to my co-op or to my you know Whole Foods or to wherever to get stuff. We have scents throughout our homes. It even could be your moisturizer that gives you life. That you yeah. like go to the bathroom, smell that for a minute, take a time out, hide from whomever in your home, and recenter yourself as a pivot. So let's also broaden that that scope. That's such a good reminder. I think sometimes I get stuck in that, like, oh, well, I don't have this thing, or I, maybe I should go get this item. And I think it's always such a good reminder that there we can make a lot of those same things with the resources that we have available. Yeah, we can make it, make it do, make it simple. And that's one of the things your podcast has been really helpful for me. It's just like, Hey, like, you know, don't get so caught up on, I don't have the the, the right color candle. Do you have a candle? Tell it it's pink. Keep it moving. Right. He's like, this is what I need you to be transmute. You know, I'm a witch. I can make you be a pink candle. That's I'm going to pink into the side of this white candle and it's going to be a pink candle. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Take your kids' crayons. Do what you got to do. Make it work. Make it go. <laughs> I right? love it. So that's the other piece. But the other piece too is remembering it for self-soothing, right? Like a lot of us right now are going through collective trauma, right? For those of us that believe in interdependence and how we are all connected, and for those of us that are connected to nature, there is a collective global trauma happening right now. So even if you're in a place where the case numbers aren't high yet, right? We still are interconnected and we all have loved ones and folks we care about in different parts of this globe. So let's honor and give ourselves space for that. Cause I think sometimes too, people aren't breathing and allowing some of the grief and things to happen. Cause they're like, well, it's not, you know, even for friends that live other places that call to check on us, which I appreciate the text and the calls, you know, they're like, oh my goodness, I feel so bad for y'all, you know, da, da, da. And I'm like, make sure you're taking care of yourself too, right? Like we're aware of our numbers. Some of y'all aren't, um, you know, so looking at those, looking at those things. So in terms of kind of magic or people who do want to kind of start their supplies or already have some oils in our house, here's kind of a list of like the top 12 kind of basic oils that often are recommended. So lavender, frankincense, peppermint, eucalyptus, tea tree, grapefruit, rosemary, lemon, sweet orange, patchouli, bergamot, and lemongrass, right? Mm. Those are the kind of top 10, 12. These are 12 um, that most sites when you go to will recommend. Most people are familiar with lavender, right? It's the most popular. Some folks either love it or hate it. Some people just associate it with like weird soaps (laughs) because there's also a lot of the thing to remember with scents too. um, There's some scents you think you may like, may not like is to recognize that a lot of us have been um, exposed to scents that aren't natural scents. 
So what I mean by that is there's fragrances that use the same name, but it's not an actual extract from a plant, flower, herb, leaf, right? Bark. So sometimes we think we dislike a scent until we actually smell it in its natural state or in an essential oil state. Um, So I do want to put that out there as a caveat. So there's different benefits that are associated with different oils. I'm not going to go into all of them. Um, The big thing with um, essential oils, right, is that they're generally going to be extracted from a, like I said, from a plant, from a bark, um, you know, from herbs. Um, Generally, you want them to be from a source where they are steam um, extracted, not using any kind of solvents, which some of the cheaper oils do use. I don't recommend particular brands of people because I feel like people need to, at least in this kind of uh, format, one-on-one I would, um, you know, need to look at, A, you're looking at your budget, works what, what works for you, what the oils are, um, and then from there, trying to get the source that f- fits best with your budget that's going to be the less chemically, the least chemically involved process is what I recommend for folks who are starting out. Um, the other thing, too, is different oils smell different from different distributors, um, depending on where the plant is grown or where the source material comes from. So every lavender doesn't necessarily smell exactly the same. Every frankincense isn't going to smell exactly the same and so forth. Um, the other thing is a person who, you know, is trained and licensed as a a practitioner. I'm not a licensed aromatherapist or aromatherapy is within scope of practice for us in New York as licensed massage therapists. So it's something that I learn about. It's something that I use and teach in the school. I teach at a massage school, massage and acupuncture school. Um, but from the science perspective, uh, you think when to treat essential oils, just like you would treat any other kind of supplements, right? You want to, um, you know, check, make sure that there isn't any, what we call contraindications with any kind of health conditions. So that's information you can look up on places like aroma, aroma web.com, um, talks about oils. It talks about the benefits, the aroma, and then the uses. Um, the big thing with essential oils are they're not, they're not supposed to, most of them should not be used as what we call neat Neat means that you take an oil and put it directly on your skin. Most things have to be used with a carrier oil or some other sort of base, such as a lotion or a cream, or it can be put into a bath. But a lot of oils, um, you have to remember, they use, um, you know, it takes tons of lemons, tons of flowers in order to make these, you know, small bottles of oils. Um, so the other piece about that out there is that some of these oils, um, you'll see that the prices can vary wildly. Um, some things are being over farmed and over harvested. Um, so there also is an environmental um, aspect to this. So there are some proponents out there for us to not use um, either certain essential oils. And there's some people who don't think we should use them at all. And that is really a personal decision. And that's why I like to talk to people about what are the things around your home, um, around your neighborhood that in terms of sense can work for you so that this is accessible to people um, in regards to money, in regards to politics, in regards to where you stand in terms of environment. So I really want and hope that this episode will be uh, really accessible to folks. So I hope that that's coming through in this. Oh, I absolutely think it will be, but it does raise the question, are there specific companies that if somebody did want to go ahead and use an essential oil that you particularly recommend? 
Yeah, I would say the big thing to look at, um, name some names, but the big thing to look at is, um, you know, is on their website, are they saying that things are fair trade? Are they saying that the oils are tested? There are independent testing bodies um, for oils. Um, a lot of people do their oil testing, though, in-house, um, you know, but there are labs that will test it. It is hard. It's not something the FDA, you know, regulates stuff when we start talking about things being used as medicine. Um the issue with a lot of body products or certain body products is a bit of a wild west out there in terms of um, regulations um, because it's all about the labeling and how people label their products. So like I belong to like the soap maker and cosmetics guild um, because part of my work, um, I'm in the process of uh, developing, I have developed a couple different aromatherapy sprays, um, but there's a whole legality to how things are labeled. Um, so, you know, some people like a uh, frontier co-op, um, which is where a lot of the co-op brands buy a lot of their products from have a line called Oracacia. Um, that's a brand that most people for entry level find, um, to be affordable. Um, aroma, Head is a school that's based here in New York, in upstate New York and in Florida. Um, they provide a lot of uh, online courses and some in-person courses that people can take. And they even have like a basic um, online course that people can take for free as a beginner um, all the way up to if someone wants to become uh, certified. And so they give a lot of good recommendations. Um in terms of guides and books, I would say the Aroma Web website's a great place to start. And then, um, you know, NAHA, which is where I started with, is the um, Nat National um, Aromatherapy uh, Group, which is a great place um, to start as well. That's where if you actually want to, you know, consult with an aromatherapist as a practitioner um, that you can do um, as well as get the profiles and things of different different oils. Um, so the big thing is making sure that it's an oil and that it's not a fragrance and that it's saying that it's up 100% of the particular thing that it is. So if it's lemon and it needs to be just lemons and not any other fragrance, um, mm -hmm. you will see that some things that are more expensive may already be in a carrier oil like jojoba is really popular. Um, so just because something's in jojoba, then again, doesn't necessarily mean it's not an essential oil base, but because that particular extraction process is so expensive and it takes so much um, in terms of raw material to produce, you know, an ounce of oil, um, certain things uh, like, you know, frankincense often, sandalwood, um, because it is so expensive, often is in jojoba. Ro um, rosebud will often be in jojoba because to get a bottle of it um, pure, depending on the, the brand, can be anywhere from $30 to $80, $90 and up. Um, do not make the assumption because something is more expensive that it means that it's necessarily pure. So definitely use, you know, the resources, um, that are referenced, uh, to look at that, um, you know, to look at the different oils. Um, also that web, the website for the aroma web also talks about hydrosols. Um, so that's distilled water or floral waters, um, or hydrosols, but they also talk about the use and guidance of those. Um, 
But it's important to know that, you know, like I said, the supplement pieces that, you know, there's certain essential oils that people can't use when they're on certain medications. Um, you know, lavender, which is super popular, is also a hormone, a hormone disruptor. So for mm-hmm. some folks, you know, if they're on any kind of, you know, hormone therapy, that's not going to be the best thing for them to just like lather on their body, soak in baths with and that sort of thing. So it really is important to, you know, to look and check. I personally do not. Um, advocate for ingestion of essential oils. You will see some websites that is very much a personal preference. But again, um, looking at the strength of when you're looking at a pure bottle of oil um, and what that is in the concentration, it's just not something that a lot of people recommend. But now, you know, aromatherapy is seen as part of complementary and alternative medicine. So even the National Institute of Health, which is part of you know, the U.S. government, they have some guidelines around the use of aromatherapy. You can look at major places like Mayo Clinic, John Hopkins. So if you're someone listening to this and you're like, you know, you have, you know, a chronic health condition or you're on medication, then I would say go to the more scientific places first, um, you know, before diving too deep in with it, just to make sure that it's not going to, um, you know, interrupt or contradict anything that you're on or any other um, therapies that you know, you're integrating into your lives, but it's definitely something where, you know, doing the things around the house in terms of scents is something that you can do. You know, your facial moisturizer is safe for you. You know, you can eat lemons, you know, it's okay for you to have grapefruit and things like that. Then if you have those things in your house and are able to get access to those and you still can use those scents, you're just not using this super concentrated version. And also for you in terms of where you are with your environmental politics, then you're not contradicting that as well. So that's why I like to give that wide range of options to start embracing this in in the use of what you do. That's so helpful. I also always tell people with pets too, and this is true of herbs and oils. So just make sure you do your research. Uh, because there are some essential oils that are um, that aren't great for pets, and it varies no. for animals. So, but the, the information is very widely available online. So, yeah. do your research. And that definitely is a huge piece. Like I said, I have a dog. And so, you know, a lot of diffusers are popular, right? So, I mean, for us now, most states, everything's like for me in New York, everything pretty much is non-essentials clothes. But like, yeah, I own diffusers in my home. So diffusers are a way to use a couple of drops of oil. You add water to the diffuser and then it does a steam or a mist um, to let that oil go through, you know, the air and and into the room. Um, So a lot of those, those have become more popular and they become easier to buy before it's like, oh, you have to buy them online or go to co-op or go to a metaphysical store. Where now like you can go to like a home goods, a TJ Maxx or whatever and find them on end caps and Target and stuff now, right? So that's changed. But yes, if you have, you know, pets, small children, um, things like that, there's certain oils that they can't be around. So, you know, eucalyptus, for example, isn't necessarily good for a dog or for someone who has epilepsy. Um, having a lot of that um scent and deeply concentrated is too much. Um we have, you know, we still laugh about geranium. So uh, my wife's dog that she had when we first got together, I made a, a spray. I went up and looked what was, you know, safe for him um, and got this like floral mix going for him for the summer. It was like, all right, we're going to make Zeb nice, you know, smell good. And he was like, I hate this. And we always joke, you know, joke about dogs and their smell. And he's like, I'm a dog. Like I worked really hard to smell like this. I love this smell. I rock this smell. So after a camp, trip or like let's spritz you know we spritzed them 
you know, did all the recipes, looked everything up. And the dog was like, I absolutely hate this. So yeah. then Aaron, he was just pissed. Cause he's like, this is the dog funk. That is my funk. So he was like, what is the smelliest thing that I could find to like lay, like roll in and no joke on like a campground or somewhere. There was like a dead animal. And the dog was yeah. like, yes. That's my boy. That's what he loves. Oh, dead yard rat. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh. He was like, this is amazing. And he was like, no, he, this was his aromatherapy. So also recognize for the people oh, that in your life, right? They have their smells that they rock. So also, and, you know, it may need to be what is your jam, and also thinking about who's in your, you know, who's in your home and how you use the particular oils. Um, you know, is the other big piece. So for some oils, in terms of magic, uh, spiritual baths is a great place to start integrating essential oils. Mm-hmm. So spiritual baths are a part of your, um, you know, practice, you know, in New York, a lot of people don't have bathtubs. So I always like to acknowledge spiritual baths can also be done in the shower. So you can mix whatever you would normally mix for the spiritual bath and that you would put in a bathtub, have a bowl that's shatterproof. So a metal bowl or plastic bowl, preferably metal. If you're using oils and things, bring that with you in your shower, right? Do your shower, normal, whatever. Um, then at the end of the shower, then you start to use that water. You can use a washcloth, a sponge, a loofah, and just start putting that over your body and then reserve some for the very end. If this is something that's comfortable to you, then you're going to pour that over your head let it go down your back and down a bit of front of your front of the body as well. And that's another way to do a spiritual bath. Um, another option for a spiritual bath too, is to do it in a spritz. So you would still take those same items, um, you know, get a spray bottle that, you know, you don't use something that's had like cleaner or anything, but get, if you can't get a newer spray bottle or something, um, you can use a spritz and do a, you know, that's like a spiritual bath spritz on the go. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of us, of course, in our practices, salt water, salt water is amazing. That's often a base that people are going to do. You're going to, um, preferably when you're doing any kind of spritz, you want to use, uh, distilled water if possible, because that's going to stay, um, you know, longer. Um, sometimes people too also will add, if you have vodka or, um, I know rubbing alcohol is a high commodity right now. So some folks may not be trying to use that. Um, but for example, for a basic oil spray, if you have a small, like two ounce bottle, um, you take about three and a half teaspoons, tablespoons, I'm sorry, of distilled water, um, about a half tablespoon of, um, you know, alcohol or vodka. And the reason we use vodka is it helps the scent stay longer, either in the air or on the thing that you spray it on. Um, and then about 10 drops of oils of your choice. If you're using just one oil or a mix of oils at that ratio. Um, but the other websites that I gave also have all kinds of, you know, recipes and things as well but that's like a nice uh basic spritz so you could do that with a single scent or if you're mixing um sets and that's another thing that's huge um you know essential oil safety um education is another book that's great um the complete book of essential oils and aromatherapy um mm. valerie and um Wurwood is another great resource as well um you know to start to start doing that See, I can imagine that using that spritz would be great in your magic space before you're doing a spell. So like spritzing the space with the scent, 
similar to how we were talking with Amy Blackthorne last month about um, using incense is, is to help yes. cast the spirit. So the essential oils can be there. And I know working with you, you often have people inhale a specific scent in order to perhaps, yes. you know, prepare the change, prepare themselves internally for doing the work as well, which yeah. I think is just wonderful. And I could, you know, see putting droplets on the, the, the altar cloth and being careful about putting them actually on candles because many of these can be combustible. But yes. there's a lot of different ways to use the scent because it's about changing your mindset is what I feel like you're saying before going yeah, into about the mindset. And then what's going to help amplify or complement the intention for the thing that you're doing, for the prayer that you're doing, for the spell that you're doing, um, for the cleansing that you're doing. Um, you know, what is it that's going to complement and go with that? So again, you know, in terms of basic uses, you can take a couple drops of oil, put it on a Kleenex with it underneath your nose. That's something we do in massage, you know, massages often will start with that, that you have a client laying face down on the table. Um, some people will put it in their hands mixed with oil and ask the person to inhale, you know, and exhale a few times or a lot of times like, yes. And when, um, Courtney and I have been in, you know, circles together that that's something that we do is that we, I usually have a mixtures of oils that are out and I try to make sure that I pick oils that aren't too strong where it could trigger somebody with epilepsy or that it's something that's not safe for someone who's pregnant. That's another thing for people that are pregnant. There's certain oils um, that shouldn't be used as well. So I'll, I'll send you resources for that. Um, you know, and then I also too, if you have other people in your house, another quick, uh, trick to have on hand is I take coffee beans, whole coffee beans, and I keep some in basically like a spice jar. And A, you'd notice that in like perfume stores and stores with really, you know, strong body products is that uh, coffee beans help cleanse the palate, your nasal palate in terms of smell. So if you're like checking out a bunch of different smells and you kind of get overwhelmed, then you can inhale the coffee beans. So if you have like a young person or someone in your house that you think is more sensitive to smells and you're trying to figure out what's okay to use around them, by all means do the research. But then also if you have coffee, that that's something that's helpful because it also just helps um, calm down um, the brachial uh, in the lungs. Um, to make sure that they don't have like an overreaction um, is also a start. So you also want to think about too, you know, the volume of whatever scent you're using relative to the size of the space that you're in. And the other thing that's really accessible for oils for people too, is like, you know, in New York, like we're renters. So a lot of people, if you rent, um, you know, in New York, you straight up can't smoke even in your own home with the policies that we have. So people have to be careful about even using smoke and incense. You know, people still do. But if you're trying to also be mindful, not just of your own home, but of neighbors and things like that um, and pets, then aromatherapy is a nice way to start incorporating scents um, in a way and you're not having to use fire. Um so that's yeah. another thing that's great. So again, um, using it, you know, for some people there's, uh, oils and things they use right when they start, you know, at their altar. So like I have aromatherapy spritz that I make and every day I, I use one of probably usually three to four different things. So Florida water, like I was listening to the bonus episode with uh, Nigel and talking about the amazingness of Florida water. And that's something that, you know, for me as a set memory all the way from childhood and in New York, it's really popular. So I can buy it at a bodega supermarket, like pretty much wherever. Um, but even for something like that, I put Florida water in a spritz in a spray bottle. Um, and sometimes, um, I just spray the back of my neck, um, for me, in terms of my connection energetically, um, 
with folks in the work that I do, um, having to do, I personally have to do a lot of cleansing, um, because I'm working directly with people. I'm working with their bodies and what's going on with them. And so I always want to make sure after working, you know, with clients and even after teaching. So teaching's even more intense because when I teach, um, you know, in a massage class, I'm often physically touching, um, sometimes every student in my class, because when they're working on each other, I'm offering co- uh, corrections, guidelines, sometimes having to work directly on the person they're working on so they can see how I do it. And then that they can repeat that step where we're working together. I'm working on one side of the body while they're working on the other. So in one class, really in a one, three hour period, I can be working on a dozen or more people. That's a lot of stuff that I'm working with, right? So I always have to make sure that I'm doing things to transition from one part of my day to the next. So for me, scent is usually, I'm a huge piece of that. So um, a huge mentor of mine has been our friend, Renee's Padrino. His name's Jason. And um, he's really helped me a lot in my spiritual path overall, going to him to get readings and things like that. Um, but one of the things he told me about and reminding me to cleanse myself is like, hey, what are these things you already use? Because sometimes we forget. And so it's like, hey, I take, I carry oil or a spritz on me, I spray the back of my neck. Um, sometimes I may dab something on my forehead, like on that third eye spot, um, as well. Um, I also have certain oils for me, like vetiver is for me is a go-to oil. Um, it's just a really woody scent, um, that's a grounding oil. So the thing too, is to think about for your scent toolkit for you, and you can start this at home, even during us all sheltering in place is thinking about what are the scents, you know, what are scents that are familiar to you that, you know, help elevate your mood, that help calm your mood, that help ground you. Um, and just thinking of those three basic categories and then writing a list of at least, you know, two to three things for each of those categories. And that's kind of how you could start your toolkit and being that we're at home. If you are able to order stuff, then by all means, research that. If you're not, then what are the things you already have in your home that's going to fit for each of those categories? So for uplifting, you know, grounding, um, and kind of helping you, you know, pivot. And so, you know, yeah, this 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 idea of pivoting and changing. And this we we had a similar question um, about leaving energies from an ICU nurse at um, on the episode with Naja, and it was a lot about um, like putting your hands on things and, and touching trees, which is all really yes. great. A yet another tool that people can use to to change their energies. To me, the main use of aromatherapy is for people to. Uh, help calm themselves and use it as a form of therapy, use it as a a tool to uh, make themselves feel better or relaxed or calm or more in the moment or more focused. So I think that it's just important that people find sense that they react to, that they respond to, and they can be sense that they have at home or that, uh, you know, they find through essential oils or things like that. But even in times like this, if it's something as simple as you're sick of not leaving your house, so put on your favorite perfume and, and have that on you while you sit and watch some TV and relax. Um, I think that, you know, aromatherapy and scent is an excellent tool to kind of help, help you with your mood and whatever you need. This is, so many important gems in this episode and so very timely. I'm just, I'm, I'm bouncing up and down over here. I wish you guys could see it. <laughs> and so, um, you know, we've, 
Carl, you've, I know you've heard this before because this is often how we end our shows is we uh, do as below, so above, which <laughs> I think I got right. And something that we're letting go of and something that we'd like to bring in. So we invite you to join us in this if you would care to. Yes, I would love awesome. that. So I am happy to go first. I want to let go of anxiety. I am not typically an anxious person, but I have been over the last few weeks. And so I'm going to make a conscious effort to banish negativity as, as part of my magic this week. And therefore, I would like to bring in internal peace. So mote that shit. <laughs> so mote that shit. Mote that shit. The, the taking the unusually quiet Kanani and making her go next. Yeah, you're going to have to give me a minute. Oh, God. All right, Hillary, you go now. Um, so I am. I also am letting go of anxiety. Um, you know, I tend to be a pretty level-headed person and can talk myself out of most anxious situations. Uh, but I think, you know, anxiety that we're feeling now isn't just personal, but it's also a reflection of the world and everything that it's experiencing right now. So letting go of that, which doesn't belong to me. Um, and bringing in, you know, when I am down or depressed or anxious or stressed, I often forget about myself the quickest (laughs) and focus on what I can do to help everybody else. So, um, bringing in, um, time for self care and time for tending to my own self and my own practice. So moat that. So moat that shit. All right, Connie, you have to go now. Okay. So I guess I would say I am letting go of the way things should be right now because everything is upside down and nothing is going to go the way it typically would for, or for quite some time. And so I'm letting go of the expectation of, of where we should be at this time and just trying to bring in calm. Mm, You and me both. All right, Carla, what, what, what do you hope to release and then also bring in? Oh, wow. Um, definitely releasing grief, which I think is going to be ongoing, um, in this process and especially, uh, living in this and living in New York. Um, I don't want to become desensitized to the sirens, but I have to let go of and not allow as much, um, kind of anxiety that it is starting to cause. Um, I literally hear two more while I'm saying this in the background. Yeah. Here. Um, so yeah, I just want to uh, let it, let, let go of the grief as it needs to be let go of um, through this ongoing process. And then I pulled at the beginning of our time together, the Knight of swords um, yes. in the yeah, the particular deck today that I chose was the Next World Tarot, which I love. And uh, on the bottom of it, it says the escape plan. Uh, so definitely um, just bringing in that piece of me, just like navigating um, life's challenges and just, you know, making this time, you know, making things transformative is is what I'm doing. Oh, so mote that. So mote that. So mote that shit. Oh, Carla, this has just been 
a delight. Yeah, Carla, thank, thank, you so thank you so much for coming on. Definitely words of wisdom that our listeners need to hear. And uh, don't forget to go to our website to see the links of the different artists and musicians that we've been discussing, as well as where you can find Carla. We, if you haven't checked out our Etsy store, we are still up and running. Every purchase you make dings on Kanani's phone and it makes her life. So give the woman a smile. So we are releasing a bonus episode next week. So you will have us two weeks in a row. And uh, don't forget to leave us a review or rate us on Apple Podcasts. We could really use the additional support. Until then, everybody, be safe, be well, and blessed be. Blessed be. Blessed be. Join us on the first and third Mondays of the month for magical tools, tips, and stories about living as a witch in today's world. Find us at thatwitchlife.com for archived episodes or to ask your burning questions for us to answer.